0: the CPHI podcast series.
1: Hello and welcome back to the CPHI podcast series, your monthly soundbite on the trends and developments impacting the global pharma value chain. I'm Rebecca Lumley, Pharma Editor at Informa Markets. And in this edition, we'll be diving into the world of mergers and acquisitions. Mergers and Acquisitions, or M&A for short, describes the consolidation of companies or assets through various types of financial transactions. In 2021, global mergers and acquisitions hit an all-time high, and in the pharma and healthcare industries, these kinds of deals show no sign of slowing down. Many companies in this space are looking towards M&A as they attempt to optimize their portfolios and access new technologies. But striking a successful deal isn't as simple as just buying an asset and tacking it onto your existing company infrastructure. M&As can pose a wide range of challenges, which in the absence of proper planning and coordination can cause deals to fail. To find out what goes into a successful M&A, we're joined today by Dr. Fintan Walton, CEO and founder of Pharma Ventures. Pharma Ventures is a premier transaction advisory firm that specializes in M&A deals, partnering and strategic alliances in the life sciences industry. Fintan, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us today.
2: Thank you, Rebecca, and thanks to Informa as well.
1: So to begin with, could you talk us through some of the main factors that contribute to a successful M&A?
2: It's a very good question because obviously one would look at the word successful and probably try and conclude well, was that deal ultimately successful? But as you already indicated, doing a deal, particularly an M&A deal, requires several important steps. And each of those steps, you want to make sure that each of them are successful. In our experience at Pharma Ventures, we've seen lots of things start off successfully, but fail miserably later on. And often those factors are ones which have not been carefully thought through, have not been carefully planned through a process. So the key thing I think a company looking to acquire or or, or an individual or a group of shareholders wishing to divest or sell a a business or an asset. Really, it's the strategic planning that's really important, uh, as well as the, the, the tactical plan that's used for that process. So the key thing, obviously, is whether the asset or company is a sellable item. In other words, is there a market out there for a company to buy the company or the asset? In other words, are there a sufficient number of interested parties? So that's the first important step. The second important step is to then put together a communication, a very clear communication plan. And often that includes putting together information memorandum that describes or prospectus that describes the business or the asset that you're trying to sell. And communication, as I'll indicate through this, is really important. In that information memorandum, there's also obviously the technical details and the often scientific in our world of life sciences, but equally important are the commercial context. And the other important part to doing a deal is making sure that everyone in your team is aligned, and you also need to make sure that you've got the right people in the team, and you've got to make sure who's going to speak, who's going to contribute within that team, particularly later on in negotiation. So in other words, building a team both internally and externally using advisors and so forth, like Pharma Ventures, is really important. And then the next stage is obviously going out there to market and building up that target list and making sure that you've got the right companies and you're approaching those companies. And again, it's all about communication. One of the problems that often happens in our experience is, is is bad communication or misunderstandings, and 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 one of the key things there is to reduce the number of misunderstandings. And I think one of the things uh, Rebecca is that as we as I, I, I go through this process, is that there are lots of different stages, obviously, that need to be overlooked, and and therefore leadership in a, in an M and A process is really important too. And part of that is making sure that you've got your VDR. your for uh, That's a virtual data room, which will allow interested parties to gain access to all the information that's required to make, help them make decisions, and also, obviously, to put in an offer that is uh, going to be, hopefully, um, reasonable. And then I think what we'll go on to talk about later is once you've got the deal done, and there's a lot more detail, obviously, in this process. But once we get to the final stages, which is the deal's been done, then there's the integration part. That integration part needs to start pretty early on.
1: Taking it back to before the deal is actually done, you mentioned a minute ago negotiation. So I, I imagine that's a key part of any deal. Could you tell us what successful M&A negotiation looks like?
2: it 's a good question, I can tell you what it doesn 't look like <laughs> uh, it 's when miscommunication occurs The first thing t- in terms of negotiation is preparation for negotiation, and part of that again going back to looking at your team and looking at who 's going to participate in negotiation, and what is your position in negotiation um, that 's really important so the the more preparation you put into your negotiation the more likely you're going to have a successful outcome. And then you've got to, in negotiation, decide who's going to be the communicator uh, and who are you going to communicate with. And I think also in negotiation, I think it's very important to be clear about the pathway for negotiation to both parties understand that process, that step-by-step process by which you ultimately will come to an agreement. Because obviously, negotiations are reiteration of multiple meetings. It's also very important to make sure that you've got, particularly in M&A, you've got your shareholders and board aligned. Because decision-making in M&A often is not down to individuals. It's down to an executive committee, down to a board, and then to a group of shareholders. So alignment within your immediate team, but also alignment within the corporate structure, particularly those who are influencers and part of decision-making, are properly aligned as well. And then you go forth into negotiation in a much stronger way. Key to that, obviously, is making sure, obviously, one of the important pieces is price and the value within the company or the asset, and making sure you've got a robust position on that, and that you're going to make sure that it's a realistic position on valuation. Obviously, as a seller, you want to be a bit more optimistic. As a buyer, you tend to be more pessimistic. But the important thing in my view, in, in my experience, is that you must make sure you're not making huge changes in your value. And, and you only make huge changes in the value if you haven't been prepared, if you haven't got a realistic position on price.
0: Are you struggling to cut through the noise? The pharmaceutical industry can be a crowded market. Partner with CPHI Online, the largest pharma marketplace and community worldwide. Get direct access to 280,000 pharma buyers and gather qualified leads all year round to help build your pipeline and grow your revenue. With CPHI Online, you'll be able to stand out from the competition and reach a large global pharma audience. To learn more about promoting your company using only one platform, go to cphionline.com.
1: Once that negotiation has been successful, we do come to integration. Could you tell us about the importance of integration planning?
2: Integration is really important. And, and, and in fact, I, I would say integration starts way at the beginning, more or less the company itself, particularly if we're talking about a company rather than just an asset, but it also applies to an asset. You've got to talk about who's going to stay and who's going to go. or What's the likely scenario in which a buyer will want to uh, retain staff or get rid of staff? And having that vision early on means those ideas can be negotiated early on. So hopefully an integration plan is already part of the negotiation, that negotiation I talked about earlier. So that, obviously, from a buyer's point of view, this is a costly exercise. It takes a lot of resource and so forth. So what you want to make sure is that once you've closed the deal, completed the the transaction, that when you go into the integration phase that there are no surprises in that process. If you look at any unsuccessful M&A, and there is a, a lot of them out there, particularly when it gets to larger corporations, often there's a question mark about whether a large corp's merging, it can actually add value to shareholders. And often it's because of misalignment between the parties. Obviously, it's smaller the company, that's less likely to be an issue. But also integration requires that on the buyer side, that there is enthusiasm amongst the personnel in the acquisition itself. So if you're flipping from a seller to a buyer, the buyer's team who are involved in the integration from personnel or HR or chief people officer, as these individuals are now called, they have to organize and bring in the teams that allow integration. Obviously, for a larger M&A, there are specialist consultancies That will help with integration. Some of those are the very large uh, management consultancy firms, but there are specialist firms around doing that too. So it's preparation on one side and the other, and having a clear pathway for that integration, more or less agreed right at the time when you're negotiating or uh, have, have negotiated the deal. So the integration itself can be a very smooth exercise.
1: So you mentioned there that oftentimes a team is formed specifically to manage the integration. Who do you think should be a part of that team?
2: It's a good question. O- often it depends on the target companies. If you are, a, a say for an example, a very specialist manufacturing operation, you've been acquired or you're a very specialist commercial, you may be a sales and market-focused business which you're acquiring, you have to select the right individuals from the buyer's point of view who are in a position to help with that integration process. In the end, obviously, head of HR or the chief people officer or head of personnel, whatever the names are, they have to be an integral part of the integration team. They will select individuals who are already being primed, hopefully, and may already be involved in the due diligence process at the negotiation stage, will already recognize what the key hurdles that have to be achieved through that process. Integration involves not just simply bringing people in, it's an alignment of things like IT systems, financial controls, accounting systems. And so again, you need individuals with skills which you can get either internally or externally that will help in the process of making sure that there is a smooth integration at all the operational levels, which are obviously sometimes now these days, not sometimes always, are on the the software side, but it's all about making sure that the processes are working optimally in that. And, And that happens as quickly as possible. Often, an integration process can take much longer than people realize. And part of that is to make sure both companies are fully operational as that integration process takes place. So the ultimate responsibility is obviously in the buyer, because they're the ones that are spending the money to buy this company, so they will be the key leaders. But again, going back to my point about integration, it's the selling company also has to be compliant and be willing to help in that integration process. So you may be selecting people on the sell side who will be form part of the leadership in terms of assisting in the integration process.
1: Absolutely, yeah, collaboration on both sides seems pretty paramount there. So when we think of M&A, we do often focus on the asset. But when you are acquiring a business, how important would you say the asset is versus the people?
2: It's the key question, I think. Obviously, the motivation to buy is the entity or the asset. Its performance, its value, there may be important intellectual property surrounding the asset or even the company. All those things are, are very important. And, and, that, and that's the primary reason. That's the sort of nugget to the company. However, it's people, really, that are going to actually make this a successful outcome or not. This podcast is about successful M&A, and successful M&A only occurs if you've got the right people involved in the, not just only in the process of doing the M&A and the integration, which we've talked about, but also how that business is going to go forward. People are really important.
1: Absolutely. And with that being said, when an acquisition does take place, it obviously can be a bit of a disruptive time for a company. How can the acquirer prioritise retaining that talent?
2: Well, They have to. It's an integral part to an acquisition. So again, looking at from the buyer's point of view, because they're the ones who are spending money, it's the, it's the future with this uh, company or asset. They need to look into what talent they want to retain. There are a number of multiple ways of retaining talent through the share options, through handcuffs and also earnouts amongst the key top staff. So it's quite normal for most M&As, particularly if there's a founder or the senior management that the buyer wants to retain, there will be an earnout component and that earnout will be linked to the continual performance of the company. And and I think this is where focusing on successful, you can have all these financial inducements, which we, which we may come on to in, in, in a moment, but it's also around the culture. And one of the important bits, I think, I've seen deals fall because of differences in culture between the two parties. People can be induced to stay for lots of money, but if they're not If they're not motivated, and then they're actually demotivated by the culture that they're being absorbed into, the buying company can lose a lot of value. So again, really reinforcing the the importance of people. And retention is these financial inducements, but also it's it's recognising the culture and how those two cultures are going to be married into a future company.
1: So finally, what factors cause M&As to fail? Rebecca, all the points I've tried
2: to make through this podcast are an integral part to failure if they don't, if they don't go in the right direction. And failure actually, I would say that believe it or not, failure starts at the beginning. You can avoid failure by making sure that right at the very beginning, you have everything lined up correctly. And, and that's why it's important to use advisors. And I, I'm, and, and i you know, okay, that's, this is what Pharma Ventures does. And I'm not saying necessarily people should use Pharma Ventures, but because it's, it's such a resource intensive activity, I would say that to, to try and do it on your own without an advisor and, and bringing in a digital team that will help you through a process of buying or selling, you're more likely to fail. Because it's often the other key thing when we're working with a client who wants to sell. We look at the experience of the target companies in terms of their buying experience. And buying experience, if a company's already done a number of acquisitions, and and, and then you can often, with some of your own due diligence, find out whether those were successful or not. You can find companies that are good buyers. You know, they're used to it. They've got the the right approach to it. And, and let's say they're much more professional. So it's using the right advisors who will help you through that process. To summarize, it's really important to understand that there are some key factors that ultimately leads to M&A failure. The poor choice of advisors or non-use of advisors, because it's, it is resource-heavy doing acquisitions. Uh, not bringing together the right team for doing the acquisition. I mean, that's internal as well as obviously the external advisory team. And the other component to that is really understanding how important the ultimate aim, which is the integration of that business into all the other bits we've covered earlier in our conversation into some level of, it, of detail. But if it, it is really, and I would summarize this, it's this, that there are lots of very good assets out there. They're very easy to, at first glance, to say, yeah, it's worth buying or not worth buying. But once they're worth buying, then it's all about people.
1: That's great advice. Fintan, thank you so much for joining us today. That's all for this episode. Thank you for listening. For more news features and expert content on all things impacting pharmaceutical supply chains, manufacturing, drug development, packaging, and drug delivery, please head to cphionline.com.
2: Thank you, Rebecca, and thank you, Informa.
0: Thank you for listening to the CPHI podcast series. For pharmaceutical news, webinars, events and more, visit cphionline.com.